Remember, you can join the Boston Screenwriters Group on meetup.com and RSVP for a Screenwriters Virtual Forum, peer reviewing scripts, giving feedback on fellow writers' work while networking with them as well. Please check out the links on our Anchor.fm profile to follow us online, donate, or leave us a nice message to let us know how we're doing. We hope to see you at one of these virtual forums. Until then, enjoy the podcast. Well, hello. Uh, welcome back to our second episode of uh, Script to Screen, the Boston Screenwriters Group podcast. Uh, hosted by myself, Jeffrey Stewart, and uh, uh, Kenyatta Hoskins. Uh, so, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now, but uh, we're hoping to be part of the, the good stuff in your day-to-day. However, whenever you're watching it, uh, morning, afternoon, night, uh, we're not keeping track anymore of uh, what uh, the time frame is, but uh, uh, we're hoping to uh, provide some uh, some escape. Uh, some and some good discussion on a great mo- on some great movies. So anyway, um, we we'll get into the introductions. Um, so I'm uh, Jeffrey Stewart. I'm a co-organizer of the Boston Screenwriters Group. I've been a co-organizer for five years now. I've uh, t- helped out uh, Deborah Sharif, the founder, for around that time, and I've taken over uh, hosting duties the last uh, three years. And I'm a local filmmaker. I'm I love film. Uh, I love talking about film. I love, uh, I love analyzing what makes stories work, um, and what makes them uh, doesn't quite work. Uh, and I'm always up for uh, I'm always up for any sort of collaborations. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, uh, talking about movies are the only thing I get to look forward to these days. So uh, that's that's always what. Uh, that's always a, a good thing. And uh, uh, so I'll pass it off to my co-organizer to introduce yeah. himself. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, my name is Kenyatta Hoskins. Uh, I've been with the Boston Screenwriters Group for over five years. Actually, I lost count after five. <laughs> so it's been quite, you know, uh, not quite 10 years, but I've been a co-organizer for at least two, three years or so. So I've um, been I'm into screenwriting, and um, uh, I, you know, I help uh, me and Jeff. We uh, every two weeks we do like a peer review of scripts, and uh, just helping people develop their stories and um, teach, you know, people screenwriting. So, thank you. Nice to be here. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's pass it on to um, number three. <laughs> I'm Mark Lagadell. I'm a longtime educator in the Boston area um, in a number of capacities from administration to uh, teacher of history and culture. Uh, I have a, a love, a passion for films. I'm really jonesing right now to hit the theater, but given that the COVID situation is still ongoing, that's not really a possibility for me. Um, so the next best thing is to be right here with two gentlemen who really have a, a passion um, at, at least equal to mine, if not greater, um, to talk about uh, films and, and today, um, I guess, also um, in the forefront of a lot of folks' minds because of the, the passing of the, the lead actor of the film. Absolutely. All right, so yeah, today we're going to talk about Black Panther. And this is, you know, we were, we, we, we originally we were going to do another movie. So I said, but, but of the passing of Chadwick Boseman, I said, you know, so let's, let's do Black Panther. This is actually a very powerful film, and uh, and the funny thing is, I was like, damn, I said, let me uh, look up when this came out, 
I, could, I, could, I couldn't remember exactly what year. This is 2018. I'm like, geez, this is like two years ago. It felt like forever. It came, it felt like it came <laughs> a way longer than two years ago. It's only been two years. So 2018, uh, directed by, um, uh, I can't remember his name right now. Ryan, Coog have Ryan Coogler. Yeah. But, yeah, Ryan Coogler, he did Fruitville Station. He did the Creed movies. Um, very young guy. Um, very, very special young talent. Uh, very, I mean, he's 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 definitely a talent man. I can't wait to see um, what he does next. But uh, based on you know, it's based on a uh, comic book character, Black Panther. Marvel. It's a Marvel, you know, part of Marvel universe. And um, by you know, uh, Stanley and Jack Kirby. So, and he really came out and um, the character came out in 1966. And the funny thing is right now, I'm wearing a Black Panther uh, graphic uh, t-shirt. And every time I, I, I wear it, I, I get approached by like uh, a Caucasian gentleman or even a woman who's probably in their 60s or 70s. And it's like, I love this shirt. So I start talking about, you know, the movie and, they, and it's like they have this uh, confused look in their face. I'm like, you know, <laughs> you're talking about you like Black Panther. It's like, how come you act like you don't know what I'm talking about? They think I'm talking, they think my t-shirt is Black Panther for self-defense, the uh, political organization, because they probably grew up with the Black Panthers. And stuff. I said, oh, because like, I was like, because at first I'm like, why were they so confused? I said, oh, they, they must think my t-shirt is Huey P. Newton, Eldridge Cleaver. And um, ironically, I was thinking that Black Panther was probably named after the, that political organization because Stan Lee, he modeled the X-Men, the Magneto character and um, Charles Xero after Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. You know what I mean? But I told somebody this, they didn't believe it. I was like, no, look it up, right? So I'm like, okay, maybe he did the same thing, but actually um, Black Panther came out before the existence of the Black Panther political organization. So, um, yeah, so I just, that's my little history of uh, Black Panther. Take care. All right, so um, I guess we, where are we going to start? Uh, well, we, let's just go with, um, uh, yeah, you just want to do just a quick uh, synopsis, the, the thing with, uh, uh, with the movie. Uh, you already gave a little bit of history, uh, which which is great. But uh, maybe just of the the, little, the synopsis, just a quick one, and then we can get into uh, our, our initial thoughts uh, about it. Hey, Mark, you want to give the synopsis of the film? Ooh, okay. Uh, well, as mentioned by Kenyatta, Black Panther is a story uh, created by uh, Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. Um, it centers on um, a character, T'Challa, um, from the fictional um, nation, African nation of Wakanda. Um, and Wakanda is a place that is rich in the resource vibranium, which has afforded um, Wakanda the ability to um, have a lot of technological advances, um, as well as um, kind of shield itself from the outside world or in isolation, this kind of nation. Um, and from that setting, um, the character T'Challa uh, receives the mantle of the Black Panther, this hero, a superhero, um, uh, if you will, um, from his father. 
um, who's the king of Wakanda, Chaka. Um, that's where we kind of begin with um, the Marvel Universe around uh, the Black Panther, the kind of passing of the torch uh, from father to son, although his father is killed in, um, in the Avengers um, Civil, Civil War, I think. War movie. Yeah, um, I think Captain America Civil War, I believe. Sorry, Captain America Civil War movie. Yeah. Uh, passed on to T'Challa in the ensuing film, uh, the Black Panther film. Um, so that kind of set the stage of where we are and who the character is. And of course, he's um, trying to actually fight um, a person who's kind of staged as the villain of the movie, Eric Killmonger, who has um, reasons to dislike uh, Wakandans and T'Challa because his father was actually killed. Father Killmonger's father was a Wakandan himself. He was stationed, he was an ex expat stationed in the United States, Oakland, California. And this is during um, this, the um, era of, uh, I guess, Black liberation. I think it might have been the Black Panther era. And he's trying to fuel this, this um, movement in California with this vibranium resource. So that's where the tension comes from. Killmonger's dad was killed by um, T'Chaka's father and I guess his sidekick, I forgot the name of the, the sidekick, and that gives us the tension between like and uh, the Black Panther. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so basically, when his father passed, because uh, T'Challa was, you know, the son of the king, he became kind of like the king interim until he actually has to. Each each Black Panther has to earn that title through this ritual where it's like a um it's a battle so whoever wins the battle either through death or that person has to yield and then the winner becomes black panther so um and this sto this story kind of uh starts at that point where you know somebody's somebody's going to challenge them for the, I guess, I don't know, I don't know, like, the time frames, like, okay, somebody can challenge for the Black Panther mantle, how much time until the next time somebody can challenge, you know, so I don't know, I, it's the, uh, the movie, I did not see in the script or in the movie, like, any kind of time frame, because, like, I think, in terms script-wise, like, uh, the first 10 pages of any strip that sets up the world, it sets up all the rules and everything like that. So I did not recall anywhere in that, in the first 10 pages or anywhere in the script or even the film, I don't recall them saying like, okay. Because even in the movie when um, Killmonger, he didn't come, he didn't really come to Wakanda until like an hour within the movie. And then automatically, you know, uh, he challenged for the mantle. I was like, somebody just challenged for the uh, mantle, which was, um, uh, I can't pronounce his name. He said, uh, well, the Gorilla King. Mbaku. Mbaku, there you go. The Gorilla King. And he lost. So I'm like, wow, that was like, that's <laughs> not a lot of time went between. So that rule, you know, um, it's unclear to me. So it's like, because uh, I was, even when I was watching, I was like, wait a minute. Somebody just challenged. I thought it was like a time frame, but that's the only thing that wasn't clear for me. So 
so we're at that part of the film. That's how it starts. Uh, it, you know, the first three minutes of the script is a lot of exposition, and it kind of you know breaks like down a lot of like the backstory or kind of like what you did. You kind of broke it down and everything. It kind of reminds me of kind of like Star Wars. You know, Star Wars has the uh, you know the um, the backstory. It scrolls up on the screen and. Kyrie and Mommy Hellboy kind of get the same thing. So um, I would like, just real quickly, uh, I would like to ask this question, both from Jeff and as a, from a screenwriter's standpoint and uh, to Mark as a fan of film, like how do you feel about, because like I hear a lot of talk, like when I hear, like watch movie reviews, uh, they talk a lot about, about exposition and exposition dumps and how to best use those, how it's used correctly, incorrectly, how you do. So like, how, how do you feel like, when you watch Black Panther the film, how do you feel how the exposition played out like in the beginning? Like, you know, like even like Star Wars uses use the uh, same technique. So I guess my question is uh, from both a screenwriter's standpoint and even as a fan, like how do you feel about how exposition is handled in films, and how did you think Black Panther handle exposition? No, 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 no. I was going to say you want to take it first, Mark. Yeah. With regard to Black Panther, I think it was done uh, expertly because you have to re recognize that you know the Black Panther character, even though he's been in previous films or in the um, Captain America film, um, many people didn't have a familiarity with who he was and what it meant to be a Wakandan and how, and what were the rules as you mentioned around being someone from that place. So the table had to be set. Like we're talking about like, for, um, like Batman, that doesn't have to happen. And the most recent Batman movie, they went over the, for the nth time, um, the, the killing of his parents, right? And it's like, right. And so it's like, most will have a familiarity with it. You know the character, the setting, and, and what kind of motivates the character, then less of that is necessary. Um, but if it's brand new, I recognize there has to be some um, exposition. But it, you have to kind of figure out how to do it without telling too much of the story, just the essentials and how to kind of set the table. If you end up telling too much, then it means you're missing out on, on real action that can be happening on the screen. Yeah, just from a screenwriter perspective, I mean, it starts out with, uh, you know, uh, and we find out later, it's actually uh, the, the king's brother uh, talking to Eric uh, about the, the mythology of Wakanda and uh, how they came to power and how they, you know, hid themselves through all these centuries, you know, um, on the African continent. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, it's a very good way of, uh, of, of spelling out that, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is going to be just a, a kind of a, a different sort of uh, fantasy sort of thing at, um, about uh, about this civilization that's been able to hide themselves and shield themselves from uh, the horrors that have been going on, you know, throughout the uh, throughout the region. And uh, uh, you know, the, the first scene, the first scene proper is uh, actually in Oakland with uh, uh, I can't kind of remember the it, it's Sterling K. Brown and uh, he's the king's brother and. Uh, you get visited by the by, uh, uh, the king at the uh, the king of Wakanda at the time, uh, Black Panther's uh, uh, father, 
And uh, they cut off right before the important thing, which is always, uh, it's a very, it's always uh, very risky whether or not uh, you left it, uh, uh, you left it closed enough where um, we can go back to it or we closed off too quickly where we're kind of questioning, uh, oh, what, uh, what happened there? But I think they did it very well because uh, uh, it leaves you, you're not entirely sure if they're going to come back to that. And uh, of course, it becomes one of the most like, important moments in the you know, backstory of, of, of Wakanda that uh, the king killed his own brother, you know, in cold, well, not, I shouldn't say cold blood, but uh, just, just killed him right there and uh, left, uh, uh, left Eric on his own uh, to fend for himself. And that uh, radicalized him to turn into a killmonger. So no, I, I think yeah, the exposition in this one is done well. Uh, we can talk about uh, how other comic book movies uh, do theirs <laughs> uh, for better and for worse, but uh, here I think they, they did very very well. And just the imagery of the like the sand and uh, you see the the vibranium vibranium technology uh, firsthand. Uh, it's very beautifully done. Very very beautifully rendered. Yeah, personally, um, looking back at it, like. In terms of exposition, the important thing is show, don't tell. And um, whenever possible, like sometimes you get, especially when it comes to like stuff like science fiction, when things are just so, um, there's so much going on. And also you could do exposition, like you could attack people with exposition in terms of like, like, like in, in, in the instance of like, uh, aliens, you know, with Scotty Weaver, how she, uh, it opens with her in the, um, the chamber. She's, in, she's, she's been sick for 50 years. And then, um, and then when they, when they wake her up, you know, they, they, all this exposition comes at her, but that's kind of like a very good way of, um, you know, delivering exposition because the person's kind of being attacked with it. And it's like, it's, it's narratively speaking, it's, um, you know, it's just, it comes ingrained in all the narrative because it's just some kind of emotion with it. What this, with Black Panther, like first three minutes, the good thing about it though, is that it was only three minutes and it's like, it started off with it. But on the other hand, it kind of, it's, it's been done before. Like I said, I mentioned Hellboy, how it's the same, like uh, the uh, elder is telling the story to a youth. So personally, I think that, um, I, I understand that, you know, that it was very good information, but as you read the script, all the information eventually comes out anyways. You know what I mean? So they condensed it in three minutes, information we were eventually gonna find out. So I don't know, I guess I'm kind of criticizing a little bit about do we need those three minutes the way it was set up with Elder telling the back of this, the story to a little child. Maybe it could be considered a little bit lazy. Um, you know, uh, I guess some people can have that opinion. But um, I mean, it, it, it worked because the good thing about it was really quick. So it wasn't like, you know, sometimes exposition could go on for a very long period of time and they did have some visuals along with it but um, I guess that's my little criticism on those first three minutes. Um, so I'm wondering 
you know, for somebody who might not be, you know, in the Marvel universe and, and know all the ins and outs and have followed the whole progression <laughs> of the movies, is, you know, um, more information about this character and you know, important because they might not have read the, the comic books either, right? And right. Maybe, yes, this is going to be revealed later on in the film, but for someone who's a, a, a novice kind of Marvel watcher, they might need that little bit just to keep them interested until those kind of revelations. Right, I got you. I got you. I got you. And, and one important thing that she really said was about the Batman. Uh, <laughs> you know, you have the Nolan films, you had the Joel Schumacher, you had, uh, what's his name? Uh, Snyder. What's that? Zack Snyder. Did Zack Snyder do Zack that? Snyder, you had that, and then you had um, Tim Burton. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah. So we had over, what's that, 20, like, since the 90s. Yeah, four iterations. Yeah, yeah, to keep repeating. Even Spider-Man, the same thing. Right. You had uh, Sam Rami, you have, uh, they rebooted it, then they rebooted <laughs> it again. <laughs> so you keep going over. So that's, 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 that's the thing. So, like, if Black Panther were to re be rebooted, do we really need, like, you know, you know, it's, it gets to the point where you don't get needed anymore, man. Right. Just Like, Superman Returns, I don't know if you saw Superman Returns, they totally skipped that whole origin thing, right. Right. which I think that was a plus. So, yeah, so since this, like you said, a lot of people, and that's the interesting thing, too, you said nobody knows, even though this character's been in, in existence since 1966. And this is his very first. He, I think, he was in the comics. I mean, not the comics. The, um, the, uh, the, um, the Justice League. No, not the Justice League. Um, the, the movies. The, uh, the cartoon. The animated ones. Yeah. The animation. Yeah, the animation. Um, he may have been. There. I don't know if that was before the movie or after, but think about it. 1966 to 2018. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, which means what? That means people were starving for, uh, you know, a black superhero. I mean, even though we did have Blade, but people really didn't consider that uh, he was a vampire or whatever. For whatever reason, people did not think of Blade as kind of like a first black superhero. Mm -hmm. Or even John Han uh, um, Hancock with uh, Will Smith. Yeah. But, yeah, so this was our first legitimate mainstream superhero. So, People went bananas when this thing came out. Even to this day, people were crying when Chad Chad Bogan died because he played this character Black Panther. So um, I guess uh, you know. So yeah, that was that was very interesting. Um, that this is the very first time, man, <laughs> that this character came about. So um, all right. It's about time, yeah. I mean, yeah, I know you had, yeah, you had Blade, you had Steel, you had Met, uh, Meteor Man uh, before this. Blank but, yeah, Man, this, funny. Blank man, yeah, man. man <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, this is the first one that hit it home. Uh, well, no, Blade, I'll give, I'll give Blade more credit. I, I think that was a really good adaptation, at least from uh, what I can tell. But no, this is the first one that really, like, uh, got to people and really, like, resonated, you know. Um, yeah, this is the character people thought of when Chadwick Boseman, the news Chadwick Boseman passed. Uh, this is the role that, of course, people will attribute to him uh, going forward. Yeah, Blade was important because without Blade, there, there won't, there wouldn't be an Avengers because Blade mm -hmm. pretty much single-handedly saved 
uh, you know, pretty much, like I said, it's, it's safe. R-rated too. Yeah, I, I yeah R-rated too. Yeah, 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 so pretty much, I mean, people love Blade, but they didn't, it didn't have the, like, uh, impact in terms of, like, because um, you think about, like, Barbie, like the Barbie dolls, like, you know, people criticize Barbie, whatever, whatever, but at the end of the day, it's kind of like, uh, I remember there was a debate about Barbie, how, like, little girls uh, would have Barbie, didn't have Barbie dressed, you know, the, uh, Barbie the doctor, and Barbie, like, these very important roles in society. It was kind of like a uh, a boost, a moral morality boost, you know, saying saying we can do this. So it was like some kind of empowering thing. I don't know if you remember uh, the whole debate with Barbie. So it's like, I guess what I'm trying to say is, we have a people that don't have representation. Um, that representation is important, especially if it's powerful, and people get to gravitate to that. It's like wow kind of like Obama being president, the first black president, it's like, it kind of gives you this energy boost and like this morality boost, this confidence boost. And I think that's what Black Panther, the character did. And you see everybody was talking about Wakanda forever. You have people dressing up as Black Panther and Halloween, uh, Black Panther t-shirts. Um, people come out with dances and all that kind of stuff. So um, I guess, what do you guys feel about like the phenomenon around uh, Black Panther as kind of like that, like the impact, uh, you know, because I think there's like a lot of um, political, social, political stuff, you know, that attached to this film. I mean, what, what do you guys think about that? Well, I agree. Uh, we need to have some representation and, and me being someone who's in, well, who's 50 now, when I was a kid, um, there was Superman, it was Christopher Reeve on the screen. And as much as you want to see yourself in that heroic role, he didn't look like me, right? And I just, I just wonder to what extent um, people of my generation, you know, have some complexes around <laughs> seeing themselves as Christopher Reeve or Adam West as Batman on TV and this, as you mentioned, there's this kind of hunger, this kind of clamoring for this representation of, of self on the screen. And that was the first time there's been, a, in my estimation, a legitimate uh, representation of a superhero. You mentioned Blade. I don't think many folks see Blade as a hero necessarily. I mean, even though he was, uh, certainly a comic book figure, but um, yeah, this is a, a character that was in films that would be um, seen by younger people, not R-rated, right? And, and, and also have a, a certain depiction that will allow parents to say, yeah, this is somebody I can take my kid to see and to look up to. I don't know if many kids uh, were wearing Blade costumes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah but yeah, the Blade character didn't have, even though he was a black uh, superhero, I, I consider him a superhero. Uh, <laughs> it, it didn't have, I wonder, I'm not sure why that is. Um, I mean, if you guys might have like ideas of why, how come Blade didn't have that impact as the Black Panther had in this respects that we're speaking of? No, because I, I think they were just aiming for a different you know, a different audience. Um, you know, that I'm trying to remember the first Blade was like '97, '98, maybe. So that was Definitely right. 97. Yeah. '97, okay. 
but that was like right in the midst of the Joel Schumacher Batman era. And that was almost like a counter to, you know, the candy colored, uh, you know, uh, sort of uh, funny, humorous, uh, slapstick uh, Batman. Uh, I don't know if that was the intention, but that, that's what it, it comes off as. This is much more serious, much more dour, R-rated again at, to preface. Uh, so they're going for a, sort of a different audience. You know, the, the audience that wants, you know, there's their comic book heroes to be a little bit more taken seriously rather than uh, uh, the, the Schumacher Batman. Uh, again, the, the Batman nipples. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was definitely a contrast. But also, you talk about uh, Blade as a superhero, and you think about him that way, you kind of contrast him with Black Panther. Black Panther is a superhero in the traditional mode, even though he's a, um, a person of color, he's an African that we haven't seen before. He's still in this kind of mode of, I am moral, I am just, I will not you know, do X, Y, and Z. I'm not going to um, needlessly kill people, or I will not, you know, um, I'll, I'll, I'll be like a Boy Scout in a, in a sense, like Superman is, right? Or, or Batman, even though Batman's a little bit you know, darker, of course, um, there's still this... Um, morality around him. Um, I'm not saying that Blade's amoral or immoral, um, but he didn't get the same treatment that Black Panther did in terms of being this kind of person you could have or want your, your child to, to represent, right? So that, that's one reason why I didn't have the, the kind of um, gusto or the, the, the I guess, um, I don't know, momentum behind it that Black Panther did. Also, you got to figure that Black Panther enters into the already established Marvel cinematic, you know, kind of situation, right? And they've got this buildup of these characters over time, and here is finally the black character in that universe, mm. right? There was no such universe during, I guess, Blade's time. There was no buildup. Just boom, there's Blade. Yeah, yeah, people probably don't even know that Blade is Marvel. Yeah. In fact, that at one point he fought with the Avengers. People know that. I mean, you know, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. People don't know that, but um, and also I think too with Black Panther, it's it kind of resembles kind of like real life a little bit more, a lot more than Blade, because mm -hmm. uh, uh, throughout you know my lifetime, you know, you hear about you. I mean. Think about Africa is like one of the, is the most resource rich, naturally resource rich uh, places on the planet. And, um, you know, they have kings and everything. And, um, you know, it's like some of the stuff they talk about, they talk about why are they hidden? They're hidden because they, you know, they, they don't want to be colonized. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, uh, what would happen if Africa was colonized? What would what it would, what would it look like? And that's what Wakanda kind of represents. What what would Africa look like if colonization never or slavery never happened? So it's kind of like an untouched, unconquered place. So um, to me, it just it elevates in terms of the thematically speaking on a higher level than like I said play play is more like okay I'm killing vampires blah 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 you know it's nice action everything black blade as a character I mean he's cool you know what I mean he's you know he's suave he's he's charismatic you know I mean it's kind of like that macho 
but in terms of these, these it's not as no, nowhere as deep as Black Panther is. You know, it's not on that level. So, um, you know, you mentioned uh, Wakanda being isolationist and them not wanting to be um, colonized. And for me, the thing that you know took me out of the movie, and I've seen the, the, the Black Panther film in the theater twice and at home more than that, but um, what took me out of the movie in the very beginning, as you're talking about exposition, is them breaking down the history of how Wakanda received uh, the vibranium via like a meteorite or whatever. Right. And then I'm thinking, okay, it says they've had this element, um, they've been rich in this resource for a millennia. Right. And to me, at that moment, it told me that this was not conceived of, at least the character and the circumstances around the character were not conceived of by um, a person of color. And this is, this is where I, I, I kind of have my problems with it. We have this fictional place of Wakanda that has this resource that um, affords the ability to do a number of things, whether it's creating weapons, fighting off diseases. Um, it, it's like a do-all. Unfortunately, um, that's one of the flaws of vibrations. It's everything. Everything. We've got this resource, and they've had it for millennia, and they're isolationists, and they have to see what's happening around them. Right, whether it's um, the colonization of Africa, uh, enslavement, um, famine, uh, all kinds of things are occurring around them over these millennia, and they haven't sought to kind of intervene in any way because they're afraid of being colonized. But this resource makes them above and beyond any other nation on the planet in terms of technology and the ability to fight off colonization. So to me, that, that doesn't really add up. And it seems like it, it's from, not to be, that's too wavy, but um, there's, there's a theory called the two cradle theory, which talks about the psychology of abundance versus the, the psychology of scarcity. And to provide a simple example of that, when Columbus came to the Caribbean, he brought with him a psychology of scarcity. In other words, I see people here who have resources I want, I'm going to take them because resources are scarce. The people he interacted with, the Taino people, were engaged in centuries of seafaring uh, transactions between other nations because they had a psychology of abundance. We can trade, we can share these resources, right? So the people of Wakanda wanting to kind of hoard these resources and not share them have that psychology of scarcity, which is a post-colonial philosophy and idea because those who find themselves in areas where there's abundance often don't exhibit that psychology of scarcity, that violence, that isolationism that uh, I think is kind of centered to, central to what Wakanda is. So not to, not to, to, to uh, take us off base, but that's one of my issues with uh, the Black Panther movie is that Wakanda in itself is like a post-colonial situation that's never been colonized in terms of their mentality and how they respond to those around them. And, and, see, and, and that's the thing. Um, I like what you're saying, right? Now, Jeff, you could probably remember uh, I had an issue with, uh, you know, somebody wanted to write a slasher. Okay. We can, we, we can, you know, you can have a movie where either it's a slasher or even it's a comic book movie, right? Where you can just have all these action set pieces 
or what have you. Um, you, you know, it's all spectacle and people can go to movies and enjoy like the fight scenes and the gun battle and all that kind of stuff like that, like that, right? But what gives it weight, because it's kind of like, I want to compare with Chinese food, where you can have Chinese food, you can eat a lot of it, then two hours later, you're hungry again. It's like a, it's like a film. You could, you could watch a two hour, three hour film, and then after you leave the theater, you can't remember anything from it. You know what I'm saying? So like in the case of Chinese food, it's like, why are you hungry later? Because you not get you, you it was it was no nutrition in it. Uh, the same thing with a film. I'm using an analogy. Like same 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 thing with a film. You can see a lot of empty spectacle. You forget it later because there was no weight behind it. You know what I mean? So and this is why people watch Black Panther repeatedly and um, you know, because and they and they remember, you know, and it resonates so so much because it has all these just like Mark everything he's saying, it just has this philosophical conflict in it. Um, you have all these themes you have, and you could talk about it for days and days. You know what I mean? And you can get really deep in it. You know what I mean? So. Um, so that's the difference between you just having a spectacle with no substance. You know what I'm saying? So, go ahead, Jeff. You, you could you could say something. Okay. Uh, just quick, I'll I'll push back a little bit on the Chinese food thing. As an Asian as an Asian American, I would just say good Chinese food will fill you up. Like if you want a good meal, Kenyatta, my mom can cook you a good meal that'll fill you up. Well, well, just, just, when I was saying, when I said Chinese food, you know, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Ones, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the I, one in America. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the Americanized the, the version. Yeah, the McDonald's yeah. of Chinese food. I got you. I got you, man. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just saying it in jest. I was just saying it in jest. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. So well, I'm glad you pointed that out because I want people to know <laughs> that there is a distinction between real Chinese food and the PF chain, yeah. Stuff that we, you know, we eat here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yes. Uh, good Chinese food will fill you up. I guarantee it. Anyway, <laughs> that's um, the healthy stuff. That's the healthy that's the real stuff. stuff. Healthy. That's it's the healthy. real stuff. Yeah, and it'll fill yeah, you up. Yeah. 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 Um, just, just like you. Yeah. Um, again, going back on the exposition, you know, the way they're explaining uh, Wakanda and how it came to be. Um, yeah, I know Mark. You said you had problems with it. Yeah. Uh, but when I when I first saw it, yeah, that that was actually kind of my thinking. You know, that uh, is that uh, uh, oh, are they going to actually tackle? You know, you know, they they got this vibranium and they were able to somehow manipulate it in a way uh, over the over the cent over the you know the millennia they've had it. Um, they you know in the exposition they glance over uh, that all the horrors of slavery and colonization and everything, uh, and they just said that Wakanda just became isolated. Uh, really glanced over that I was like okay are they gonna is that all they're gonna say about that or are they come back come back to it but then it becomes the main conflict of the movie that this idea of why you know if Wakanda had all these resources why didn't they help out you know why didn't they fight back you know the, the slavers and why didn't they fight back you know help out with famine and everything and that is the main conflict of the movie isolationism versus globalism uh you know it, it's very <laughs> It's very topical right now, of course, uh, what's going on uh, domestically and even uh, 
abroad. But uh, it's one of those things that, uh, uh, you know, exposition can sometimes glance over the important thing, or, but uh, they come back to it. It's the main conflict of the movie. It's the, one of the main themes. And uh, I don't know, I mean, it's up to the viewer whether or not they, they did it well, or they conveyed it well, but I, I feel like, uh, yeah, in that case, uh, um, since, since it is like the central theme of the, of the work, I think that uh, they're able to get away with that in that manner. Well, I, I, you know, growing up, and um, trust me, you know, I'm 48 years old, so um, uh, I was watching movies in the movies since the 70s, okay? And um, the combat zone in Boston, hmm. I used to go with my cousins sometimes, and they used to have the slave movies, you know what I'm saying? And the slavery movies made by Italians back in the day are different from the slave movies now. The slave movies now is just, I don't know, it's like they hold back, whatever. Let me tell you something, those Italian directors, when he made, if you look at, well, that's something I, I would suggest people watch. It's, it's very, it's not easy watch. It's not easy to watch at all, um, but, I'll mention the movie a little bit later, but by Italian directors, I mean, they did not hold back on slavery. So I saw the horrors and everything. And I used to think as a little kid, like I'm talking about eight, nine years old. And I'm saying to myself, um, I, I was asking questions it's like, okay, why did this happen? And, you know, I'm hearing people say, oh, uh, Africans sold us to, you know, um, into slavery. You know, so and I, and I think Killmonger, you think about Killmonger, you know, and I think this is why he's so relatable. And like um, we were talking about before we started recording about um, is Killmonger, the, the, you know, the villain, uh, is he the bad guy? And I, I see where he's coming from because, you know, all these things come in question and and I think Black Panther, it brings kind of like all that stuff up when I was growing up, all these questions I had and observations and, you know, uh, what have you. You know, how come, how come they didn't help? <laughs> how come Africa didn't help? <laughs> you know what I mean? They just let, you know, they let, you know, these European colonizers, conquerors, just take, you know, they sold us and they, they see what it was happening. It's like, how can it come get us? Even people, I, I hear people like, people who watch this film, uh, those discussions kind of resurfaced because for a while I haven't been hearing too much, you know what I mean? Because you didn't really see a lot of slave movies probably in the 90s or so on and so forth. And um, they've been taking them out of history books. So I think people didn't really have questions. They really kind of forgot about even civil, even civil rights, what was going on in that era, um, you know, and, and I think it kind of resurfaced, resurfaced when um, 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 Rodney King, what happened to him, and then you know, a lot of like social justice and talks came about, and we started thinking about history again. So even now, 2020, I say, um, over the past 10 years. It's like you had slave movies start resurfacing and all these questions came about it. Kind of like this Black Panther movie, I think it's just genius how they just put all that stuff on the table. 
for people, you know, to kind of, you know, kind of help, you know, uh, become a catalyst for more discussions of, 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 about this issue. Right. So I think that's a powerful thing for a movie to be able to do. And you mentioned those, those slavery movies. And for, for me, and I was thinking while watching the Black Panther movie that, you know, the roles are reversed and that Killmonger has a, a, a pre-colonization mindset, even though he's from people that were colonized. In other words, he is, of course, from Wakanda, but he has his upbringing in a place where there are people who are colonized in America. And the opposite is true of Black Panther. But again, with the Black Panther's isolationist mindset, um, not really intervening kind of mindset, it makes him more post-colonial in his, 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 his actions. So we've got these two characters at odds with one another, and uh, they have different concepts, different ideas as, as, as it relates to what it means to be free, what it means to be whole, and at the end, kind of culminate everything, they're duking it out on an underground railroad, right? So it's, wow. it's for me, it's like that, that's there's another story there. There's something esoteric there that hasn't really been tapped into in terms of people breaking it down because it's an underground railroad and they're fighting over the idea. <laughs> getting more <laughs> obvious than that, yeah. And then <laughs> it's solidified by the Killmonger's last, you know, quote about you know being buried at sea with his his um, ancestors who didn't want to, to be captive anywhere. So yeah, there's something there that for me this. I don't know. I'm, I'm at odds with the way the film was done. Maybe it's intentional that I, I feel this discomfort around it because Killmonger takes on the villain role traditionally in a lot of people's minds. But for me, he's the hero because the idea of taking your resources and liberating other people who are oppressed, to me, sounds like a heroic endeavor. And that's something that the that, that child didn't Charlie didn't want to do that. Charlie didn't want to intervene in that way. He didn't see any reason for doing it. But in the end, as the story goes with uh, literature, the hero is the one who has his ideas prevail at the end. And in, in the end, um, Killmonger's plan to share resources um, is actually enacted by T'Challa in the last scene in the movie. And, you know, what you said is very powerful. Now, I thank you for that, because I didn't really think about it, about the, uh, the, 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 the last, you know, the the ending battle, okay, underground railroad. I never even thought about that. So I think I even think it's funny how you watch a movie over and over, and it's like you always come out with something new. I would never thought of that. So I'm, I'm, I thank you for that. I was like, yeah, that was, I'm like, geez, that's. <laughs> but the same way Stanley kind of, you know, um, uh, Magneto and uh, Charles Xavier was modeled after Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. So I'm thinking, okay, who is Killmonger and uh, T'Challa? So, so what immediately comes to mind is Nat Turner for for Killmonger. Not quite sure who Black Panther would be, but I also thought of another thing, uh, another per, another movie, uh, another character, um, Braveheart. Braveheart wasn't a villain. But he's basically he, he carries on the same concepts in you know worldview as Killmonger. You know what I'm saying? People cried for Braveheart when you know. Listen, um, I don't know who didn't see Braveheart, but if you didn't, you know, 
I don't know if you know this, based on a you know a real person, I believe. William so, Wallace. anyways, people cried. Yo, I tell you, everybody who saw that film, they cried when you know uh, when uh, you know the, the character died. Wallace, listen, Wallace, uh, who saw Braveheart? William Wallace. William Wallace. Yeah. When he died, people cried. And when you see Breath of the Nation, when Nat Turner, you know, nobody really cried when he, but even um, Killmonger, why is he considered villain, villain? But, you know, like in Braveheart, you know, William Wallace wasn't. So it's, I just think that's crazy. But yeah, I agree with you that, um, and the funny part about it is too, T'Challa is different in the movie than it is in the comics. Uh, you know, I know what they were trying to do. Two opposing, dimensionally opposing viewpoints. Um, and you have like, you know, you have Killmonger over here and you have T'Challa over here. But the graphic novels, he was closer to Killmonger than he is in the movie version. Um, but, you know, so I, I just think that, I, I think that's interesting. Um, and, and you know something too, and I can't help this, but when I think about Wakanda, you know what comes to my mind? Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm. <laughs> and and you see what happened when they weren't able to protect themselves. So, um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm assuming everybody knows about Tulsa, Oklahoma. Because of Watchmen. Oh, okay, okay. All right. So, yeah, yeah. And, and the funny thing is, a lot of people don't know. They never heard of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Until they found out about it, yeah. So. Right, right. And, and okay. So, like in the 1920s and 19, like 1919, 1919, like around that era, 1920s, 1910s, right? You had, like, okay, you have Tulsa, Oklahoma, but you had pockets of communities where you had uh, people working together and, and you didn't have like projects, you know, you didn't have ghettos like that. Um, you had um, black folks owning homes and um, they own land. A lot of black folks own hotels, uh, black uh, business ownerships and stuff like that. So there was a thing called the Red Summer where there was just a bunch of lynchings. It was a bunch of Tulsa's happening around that time. I think it was in 1919. So so when I think about Wakanda, it's like a lot of people is like, you know, when people talk about now Wakanda forever, yeah, it's fiction, but people don't realize that pretty much it kind of mirrors like, uh, like I, I can't help but think about, you know, um, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Right. You know? And one, I'm sorry, you were done? I'm sorry. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. One thing that kind of distinguishes the two um, for me is that, Again, for millennia, they've had this resource that is this, you know, be all, end all. And seemingly, even during modern times, their resources and their technology is far more advanced than anybody else. So I can only imagine what it was like, go back a hundred years, you know. Um, so yeah, there's, there's that human um, reluctance to 
engage with the rest of the world because you want to be isolationist, you want to maintain your culture. But the idea of being uh, overtaken by other nations who probably had primitive um, forms of defense compared to what you've got, I mean, to me, makes it all the more uh, frustrating that they didn't you know, intervene because you've got vibranium. So-and-so in the 15th century, the Portuguese have cannons, right? <laughs> so you've got muskets, yeah. yeah, whatever, you know? Matter of fact, um, if you think about like right prior to slavery, right, prior to slavery, you know, um, I forgot what culture it is. You know, uh, you had certain cultures that had gunpowder, and uh, it could be Asia, maybe. Yes, yes, yeah. So, and then when uh, the people, like I don't know, the colonizers, European colonizers, that ultimately you know, kicked off slavery and everything like that, right? As soon as they were introduced to gunpowder and guns and all this weaponry, that was, they were able to um, help them kind of like do what Killmonger was saying, because Killmonger, he was more on a revenge thing. Not just a revenge thing, but kind of like, um, you know, payback. his, yeah, payback. And, uh, you know, it was funny, it's like, you have white supremacy, it's like, now it's like, okay, it's time for black supremacy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, that's what kind of Killmonger was on that, on that, on that, on that, um, that kick. I, I want to interject. Oh, well, okay. You no, know, no, you're no. talking about securing the resources to free oppressed people, right? He, was at the, he, he talked about using the resources, spreading them around the globe to people who are oppressed, so they can okay. lift, you know, the foot off of their neck, right? That's what he talked about. Now, maybe that was just an excuse for him taking over Wakanda and then he didn't want to do that. But what we saw happening on the screen was them trying to send the resources out. And then we have the CIA character shooting down, I guess. The, 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 right, right, right. So I don't think it was necessarily just about revenge as much as it was wanting to liberate people, yeah. Finishing his dad's mission, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I could see that, but it, def, it definitely felt like a revenge. Yeah. Well, anyway, you know, you know something though. Um, I think about that. Luther King, I think <laughs> I think Martin Luther King kind of said it when he said that, um, like, you know, white society. Uh, one of the things they fear is that we'll do to them what they did to us. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like when I'm thinking about this movie. You know, I, when people watch this movie, it's like, okay, it's a comic book movie, uh, Marvel, so on and so forth. It's like, how can you guys talk about all this weighty stuff based off of, that's what a good story does, man. Um, but like I said, don't, don't get it twisted. Like the people who write these films don't think that uh, stuff that we're talking about isn't in their mind when they're writing, you know, uh, you know these stories. You know what I'm saying? You, you know, some some casual fan might think of a movie kind of like we were saying, the fast food. You know, um, I just want to go to McDonald's, get a quick burger, compared to like, I want, uh, you know, something more, something sub substitute. You know what I mean? And, 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 and I remember, I remember one time I posted something on Facebook uh, regarding Star Wars, 
and um, they thought I was reaching. I said, like, okay, you think I'm reaching? I saw a documentary, uh, George, um, George Lucas's, uh, one of his doc documentaries on him and, and Star Wars, and they say directly where they get their influences from, where they get their ideas from. So, so, so I guess my, my thing is this, that don't get it twisted. Like, we may be talking about some very heavy things, and if uh, somebody thinks that, oh, this is just a comic book movie, there's no way um, you're going off base. It's like, no, no, don't get twisted. The, the screenwriters and directors, they could, they just all this stuff we're talking about, it could, it could be something that was on their mind when they're writing it. And it's probably that kind of ambiguity that, 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 that's you know, injected into the movies um, that allow it to be kind of accessed by a larger number of people, right? The, if you become more specific about this is my source of, of uh, inspiration, for some people it might be a turnoff, right? So if we, we take your, your idea about the X-Men having the connection between MLK and, and, and uh, Malcolm X, um, if it was more explicit, then maybe they wouldn't have as big, big of an audience because some folks don't want to see or hear that story, right? But the more it is uh, a generalization, uh, the, the larger the audience you're going to get. And it, it can spark, you know, these kind of conversations among those who are deep thinkers and those who are not can just take it as a popcorn movie. Right. What you said was very deep there because when you compare a film, especially something that's happening now or something that happened recent the question is should you do a film on whatever that is for example all these cop killings you know uh what have you uh you get a lot of pushback and I, i've seen a lot of comments on films like uh things that kind of like on the nose like okay i'm gonna make a, a, a film about this very hot topic and some people say, oh, this is too soon. It's uh, what have you, right? But if you kind of like what you said was deep because you could still do it, but you could kind of hide it. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like the way, because um, X-Men was basically about, like instead of mutants, they were the civil rights people fighting for civil rights. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, 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 so it's kind of like you can hide behind all this analogy. You can hide behind all these metaphors and all this. Um, you could, you could disguise it as something else. But people like subconsciously, so even people who don't get it right away, because a lot of people don't don't, don't see, like, uh, you know, like I said, Magneto and uh, Charles Xavier. Even X-Men, I'm thinking about Malcolm X. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So a lot of people last reach I was like, hey, if you talk to Stanley, maybe he'll tell you. It was like, when I think of X-Men, I'm thinking about the X and Malcolm X's name. But um well, the same now kind of lost my train of thought. No, the, the ideas, themes are hidden, you know. You right. Yeah. Right. So so it's easier for people to digest if you don't come forth like in your face on the nose compared to like, okay, kind of like Animal Farm. You saw, you know, Animal, if you read that book, I haven't read that book in, I don't know, damn, a long time before some people were born. But it was about, you know, farm animals, but it really wasn't. It was about something else. 
Mm -hmm. Opposed to actually being exactly what it was, but he hid it behind, you know. I know people get mad at me. I kind of think the Bible that way. You know, it's a bunch of allegory. Mm -hmm. Like people take it take it literally. I don't think personally, I don't think the Bible's literal. I think it's a bunch of allegories and what have you. But yeah, what you said was deep. Yeah, I, I mean, you can really read into uh, whatever whatever you want uh, into, uh, you know, people are really, you, you mentioned Star Wars, people have really taken Star Wars, you know, people list Jedi as their religion, you know, people have really taken it uh, you know, to heart uh, in that on that end. But I mean, uh, you can read into like anything you anything you want. But uh, it is really, I think that is uh, the strength of Ryan Coogler and his uh, co-writer that they were able to, they were able to conjure up these themes and talk about them, you know, people that wouldn't have been, you know, the people that aren't really, the movement have been exposed or asked questions about, uh, about, about these topics. And now that they at least have some exposure to that, I mean, you know, this, it, this is one of the biggest successes that Marvel has had, you know, uh, some of that is due to representation, but uh, another thing is that it's just a good story that uh, makes you think that, uh, and involves you and um, all the char yeah all the characters are, are good they're very well rendered uh, they yeah I, I, they, it, it, yeah it, you can read in you can read into anything from you know art film to comic book movie and uh, people can put in things that so are subtle or overt, but it really is, but again, it just all comes back to the story and how you convey that on the page. Um, I have a question, right? There was a quote in the movie, uh, it's on like page 30 script that, that I read, and um, it says it's hard for a good man to be king. What do you think they meant by that? It's hard for a good man to be king. Well, I think, you know, it means that at times, if you're a king, you're making decisions that might go against your own personal uh, beliefs in order to do what's best, what you think is best, at least uh, for your people. And that also could mean uh, doing some things that, um, if, if not are unscrupulous, they, they, they can be um, cruel to, you know, those who might be on the outside, from the outside, right? You got to look after yourself. So maybe that means what we're talking about before in terms of um, not being involved with what's happening around uh, the continent of Africa, because it means they're going to keep their own culture, their own nation intact. It could be, it could be that. It could be um, you're going to lose yourself as a king because you're not going to be able to do what you think is best for yourself personally all the time. What about, what about you, Jeff? What do you think? Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, it's still a Shakespeare quote, heavy is the head that lies the crown. Uh, I mean, it's tough. It's tough being a king or a leader or any sort of thing where you're in control of, you know, the head of state or you're the, you're the controlling voice in a, uh, a council or any sort of a leadership role. Like, uh, but uh, I think T'Chaka's sort of uh, warning uh to to his son is that uh, I you know there is going to be hardship and there's going to be hard decisions to be made and again it goes back to the antagonist making the protagonist uh, do think on think on stuff and make hard choices uh, but 
yeah, I mean, it's it's a hard life being a king. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely stuck up. It kind of resonated, you know, and I was like thinking, I was like, okay, uh, thinking. I, I was just curious about what other folks took from that. And um, I tried to think on it myself, but uh, in terms of uh, it takes, it's hard for a good man to be king. Um, like, what is a good man? You're always trying, if you're always trying to do the right thing, are you trying to be good? Um, Sometimes could bite you in the ass, <laughs> I, I think, because um, because I'm trying to think. Okay, if you're trying to be the way this, the way the way it ended, how I, I kind of like I like how Black Panther ended. He he went back. He reached back uh, to to the um, to uh, Oakland. What was it Oakland, right? Yep. Okay, yep. He went back to Oakland. Uh, he's bringing you know, the uh, arts and sciences, uh, he's, he's, he bought the building, I, I'm assuming he's gonna renovate it and give people a different life there, right? But it, it's funny, they keep, like throughout the, throughout the film, throughout the script, uh, they talk about, they're calling like the CIA, they, they, they call them colonizer, uh, and they talk about their fear of colonialism. Uh, but yet, he goes in front of the world and says, we're going to share our resources so willy-nilly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So to me, it's like, uh, you didn't, you know, you definitely, you, you kept it away from Killmonger, but you go in front of the world, knowing how the world is, you know? Uh, you know, at, at this one point in the script, in the movie, they, they, they basically sound like they talk about how corrupt the world is around them. And this is why they're isolated. But then they turn around and it's like, okay, we're offering this. To, don't get me wrong, I think um, it's good to share with the world and so on and so forth. But to just be, to me, I think you have to have some kind of discernment because the same way there's a killmonger, it's this one individual Think of how many people who are probably even worse than Killmonger. Right. You and know what I'm saying? The funny thing is, I just thought about something when you mentioned um, T'Challa going back to Oakland and, and, and you know, buying the building and, and, and trying to provide a, a different you know, life to people who are there. Um, got me thinking about that being a, a kind of neoliberal act. And for those who are listening, um, neoliberal is not about liberalism and conservatism. It's about the idea that money funneled into something can provide a, a better outcome um, for a social ill, right? So the idea that um, T'Challa would go to Oakland, buy a building, provide these economic resources uh, as an, an answer to some social problems, and there, it is partly economic as well, but um, there are structures in place that make the society unfair. And those, those structures, you know, are um, what Killmonger was trying to um, upend by getting the resources, right? The, the vibranium and getting folks to be able to, to force the hand of those who are, you know, oppressing people to get off of them. So, yes, in one way, Killmonger's idea of sharing resources benefits, but the way in which it seems like T'Challa wants to do it is funneling financial resources 
and maybe even some some of the technology into Oakland, but the structures that you're talking about in terms of the corruption around them is still going to be in place once they figure out how to combat that that social problem, that political issue. Well, 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 yeah, they definitely weren't pan Africanists for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what what are your thoughts, uh, Jeff? No, I think what we talked about reading into, you know, uh, I think in, uh, reading into material, uh, whether that's uh, no matter where it comes from, but I think that also speaks to the limit of this sort of genre. Um, there's a sort of nice little bow at the end of this, even though they covered really heavy, heavy topics. Uh, it's a nice little bow in it. Yeah, and then, uh, just like uh, what Mark said, uh, there's a little bit more to the, the societal ills than just flooding and just uh, getting more money into it. And they do mention uh, uh, that uh, uh, his sister will go up to a science center, I hope, uh, presumably that would be an educational uh, resource there. But yeah, I mean, it's a Disney movie, so they're not gonna go too far into like uh, uh, systemic racism and everything that's going on, uh, obviously. No, that, that doesn't speak to the limit of these, uh, of this type of movie, you know, it's not. It's unfortunately not an Ava DuVernay documentary on uh, on stri social strife and ills. You guys are making me think of things that happened this year. Actually, the NBA, you know, uh, they shut down because of COVID, and then they came back in a bubble in Florida, and then when um, some some stuff happened, like. Uh, George Floyd, and um, I'm trying to think which, there was one of the situations where they protested and they um, they boycotted a couple of games. Okay. Yeah, Milwaukee, the Milwaukee yeah, situation. Yeah. Um, Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Wisconsin, yeah, because Milwaukee started it. And, and a lot of NBA players were questioning, should we be doing this? So we, you know, because it will take the... Um, you know, the focus off of whatever, right? So basically they did the walk off and uh, they met with the owners. Cause if they, cause they, they were talking about shutting it back down and not playing again for the rest of the season. And the NBA would lose billions of dollars, at least one or $2 billion, okay? And um, so behind the scenes, the owners met with the players and, um, what I didn't understand was if the players were doing it on behalf of social justice and uh, combating systematic racism, why didn't they share, I guess, the, um, what happened in the meeting and what, the, what they talked about? What, so based, based on my understanding is, because like, I was like, they just came back. I was like, okay, you came back. So you must have came to an agreement. And, um, from my understanding, the agreement was the league will donate $300 million to the black community over a 10 year span. <laughs> so, so, so when you said what you said, that kind of reminded me, like uh, Michael Jordan, he gave like $200 million to uh, combat like voting, whatever, and HBCUs. Like I've I seen like, certain people give 150 million to HBCUs, so, so, so on and so forth. And it, it, so when you said what you said, that kind of remind me, like you just, 
okay, you're throwing this money out there. At least, at least with this movie, it's like they're telling you what they're spending money on. But it's like, but the that that's, that says nothing about the systematic, you know, um, uh, uh, mechanisms that are in place, which made you isolate in the first place. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's kind of like you, you, you know, you you introduce these this this potentially heavy, you know, uh, intricate, uh, um, weighty philosophical conflict. But you kind of like, like, like Jeff was saying at the end, you kind of throw a bow on it, <laughs> you know, on to the next Marvel movie. You know what I mean? So I don't know if they were going to, if something else was going to be addressed in Black Panther 2, but um, yeah, so that just, I just want to throw that out there. That kind of remind me, you know, when you said what you said, like some of the real life stuff. I mean, this came after the movie, but this has been going on for so long, so no matter you could you could do a movie two two years from now and it's gonna be valid, you know, because uh, it's ongoing saga, and um, keep throwing money at it uh, without you know the system actually changing. So it goes back to assimilation. Does assimilating does that change the situation? Just throwing money at it change the situation. Does isolating change the situation? I don't know, but. Well, money alone, no, it doesn't. And just like, you know, I've talked to people about this before, it's like whether it's the money being thrown over a 10 year span to address any number of things, or it's the, the, the um, allowing of players to have phrases or sayings or whatever in the back of their jerseys. Um, those things, by themselves don't change the system. And that's why they're allowed, right? I mean, what's really, what's really threatening to those who maintain uh, an unfair system is that there'll be things put in place that will uproot that system. And you can do anything you want as long as you don't uproot the system, right? And so I don't think there's any desire amongst those who are the stakeholders, uh, the team owners, uh, the media who pays for the product, um, any corporations that have tie-ins to, to, to the league itself. There's no interest in changing the system. There's just an interest in, you know, throwing a few dollars here and there, which is, you know, a paltry sum compared to what they're making, to these issues to make it seem as if they're, they're, they're addressing these issues. Because at the end of the day, if there's a shift in power, a shift in the system, it means they're going to lose something. They see it as a zero-sum game, even though it's not. Um, yeah, no one wants to change the system if they're on top and controlling things. Deep. So, I mean, that's that's a testament a testament of uh, the, you know this this film, this script that people can have these deep conversations, especially you know something that's considered. A horror, a horror. I'm not. Excuse me. A comic book film. So it's, it's it goes to show you that uh, you know, no matter if it's comic book, it could be a horror, it could be no matter what genre of film it is, it's how you approach the material, and uh, you know, it's how, it's how you tell the story, and um, 
yeah, I mean, you could just sit there and say, oh, this is a comic book movie, bad guy, good guy, you know, white, uh, the, uh, the, the good guy wears a white hat, the bad guy wears a black hat, uh, they throw the, the, the angel in distress on the train tracks, <laughs> you, know, the, you know, good guy has to save the day and so on and so forth, so, um, yeah. So I mean, it's up. You know, it's it's it's, it's you know, the screenwriters that have to look at this as as an art. I mean, you don't you know, if they don't, then that's how come there's there's certain there's certain films you talk about twenty, thirty years, forty years after. How many people still talk about Jaws and Star Wars? And uh, you know, so I think this film they. This film could be out of all the Marvel movies. I don't know how many Marvel movies are there are since when I think it started with Iron Man, I believe. Iron no, well, technically it started with Blade, but right, right. Iron Marvel Man. Studios though was Iron Man, right? Marvel Studios, yeah. It was like the first, you know, in, in the you know, the current MCU, the cinematic universe, yeah. The first right. official entry is Iron Man, yeah. Yeah, and I think this film will be remembered more than other, you know, other, you know, uh, MCU films. So I just, just think that's uh, with any genre, anything you do. And uh, I just want, you know, that's something like to be stressed for people who want to be screenwriters and uh, tell stories. I'm just going to mention quickly, I mean, even though it's in, you know, it's entry number, I don't know how many, entry number 15 and, you know, the, the 28 Marvel movies we've gotten since Iron Man, uh, this really does stand alone. I mean, there's a few references to Civil War and uh, like, uh, uh, of course, there's Vibranium, which is uh, throughout the, uh, the series, but it really is feels standalone. I mean, there's no cameos with the other Avengers or anything like that. Uh, it really Something does. Like Except for one, but uh, yeah. At the very uh, end. At the very, oh, well, well that's, that's the end. The post-credit. Post-credit, <laughs> yeah. Post-credit post yeah. stuff, so I don't know. Some people count it, some people don't, but anyway, right. it, it, it does feel standalone. This one particularly feels just its own entry, uh, its own sort of uh, standalone adventure, uh, sort of uh, in, the, uh, in this huge franchise that we've gotten in the last 12 years. We thank you for giving us a listen. You have reached the end of part one of our Black Panther discussion. For part two, please press next in your podcasting app. Check back soon also for our discussion on our favorite villains and antagonists. You can support this podcast and the Screenwriters Group with a monthly donation by clicking on the link on the support button on anchor.fm. You can find Kenyatta and I hosting the Boston Screenwriters Group. You can join us by RSVPing to a virtual peer-reviewing scripts meetup by using the link in the description. We wish you all the best in your writing and other life's pursuits. Take care and stay strong.